Welcome or welcome back to Pre-Arb Excellence, a Roots-based Chicago Cubs podcast with an eye on player development. That was an odd Tuesday, wasn't it? That was very strange. Um, again, I'm back to doing this at midnight or so, not intentionally, but um, yeah, that was an interesting game. <sighs> Um, Cubs trail six to one into the ninth. And I'll be honest, there's a couple of us that were thinking, get this game over with. Because I want to know if there's anything that I need to know that I don't know. Turns out there wasn't anything that we needed to know. But, um, yeah, that was interesting. The Cardinals going into absolute self-destruct mode at home. That's kind of amusing. <sighs> it sounds like Chris Bryant will have will not be in the lineup on Wednesday. Isn't to say he won't play, he won't be in the lineup. Who knows? We don't know. Um I'm going to finish off with a little bit more Major League news before I switch to the minors. Now, I was talking to you yesterday about the Mets. About the Mets, about the Mets, about the Mets. How Taiwan Walker had lasted one inning on Sunday before getting yanked. Then on Tuesday, the starter didn't go too horribly long. And um, that game went 11 innings. Well, the starter, regardless how long he went, was designated for assignment today. And about a half an hour before the game started, the Mets announced their lineup, which is ridiculous. That's supposed to be done like two, two and a half, three hours before the game, not half an hour. Uh, the starter on Monday was designated for assignment. Uh, Jared Eikhoff. And yes, the Cubs should probably claim him as well. There's like three guys on the DFA wire I want the Cubs to claim. But I'll get to that in a minute. So uh, Eikhoff designated for assignment. Robert Stock brought in. And they were hoping for, you know, three, four, five innings out of Robert Stock. And, you know, at least get through to the middle of the game, etc. Well, Robert Stock was running out a ground ball in the first inning and pulled up, unable to go. And he was lifted after one inning, and it was bullpen time the rest of the way for the New York Mets. Now, I had a harebrained scheme yesterday. It was after the podcast. I decided, no, I'm not going to do a podcast on it. Not going to do a podcast on it. But, um, had a harebrained scheme. I actually like it. I liked it. I still like it. Um, since the Mets are in so much havoc regarding their bullpen. That's the first part. They are in absolute havoc regarding their bullpen. 
because there's their starters keep going an inning or two. They keep having to use their bullpen and designate somebody for assignment and then bring somebody else up and then pitch him in a game and release him and all that kind of stuff. It's just not healthy. And um, my idea was the Mets have an asset in their system that I'm remotely interested in. I'm remotely interested in him because this year, despite what everyone might expect, Billy McKinney has been a good player. He was good with the Brewers, then traded to the Mets. He was good for the Mets. Why would one not be interested in someone who has been good, helpful, and useful for two entirely different division leaders in one season. Why wouldn't someone be interested in that? So I began to think, you know, Cubs are probably within, what, two, three days of making a whole bunch of trades? How's about the Cubs trade for Billy McKinney and send the Mets a relief pitcher. Seems copacetic to me. Chris Bryant's not playing tomorrow. That means they have three outfielders. Green four. Hayward, Hap, Peterson. They have Marisnik and they have Ortega. So they have four, four outfielders. But um, to me, it makes a lot of sense to create a trade around getting Billy McKinney and sending the Mets a relief pitcher. Now, there's a number of different ways that this trade could theoretically be done. I'm sure Jed and the Mets have been talking all night long. Talking all night long because the Mets had their pitcher get hurt. Then Bryant came out, and they had to talk about that, and just absolute talk, 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 talk. <sighs> so, a couple different ways you can do it. I don't want to give a huge amount for Billy McKinney. I'm not trying to, you know, keep the Mets afloat or anything. But I was looking at after the game on Monday, which guys in the Cubs bullpen are realistically the most disposable. Because if the Cubs have a reliever who is somewhat disposable, that would be the type of player that the New York Mets ought to be interested in as of right now. Because their bullpen is totally puked. It's totally worn out. So my idea was send either Dan Winkler or the Hex's name. Um, the left-hander that had been with, hang on a second. Adam Morgan. That's what I was trying to think of. Trade either Adam Morgan or Dan Winkler, to the Mets for Billy McKinney. If it's 
Adam Morgan for Billy McKinney, it's done. That's it. Nothing else needs to be done. If it's Dan Winkler, probably a little something on the side needs to get added. The uh, Fangraphs rates prospects who are 35 or above. Wait a minute, 35 plus or above. So that 35 plus 40, 40 plus 45, 40, etc. So um, 35 plus or above for Dan Winkler. Um, Adam, Adam Winkler, Adam Morgan for Billy McKinney straight up or Dan Winkler for Billy McKinney in a piece. Doesn't have to be anything major. Doesn't have to be anything on their top 30 list or top 35 list. Just a guy who can get plugged in. That's my idea. So now that I have taken a whole lot more time talking about my idea, um, I, and, and it's not a case of this has to be done right away or it will be done or anything along those lines. I was talking about the idea yesterday. saying you know, this makes a whole lot of sense. This probably ought to be done. This makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. Then, um, the game tonight, uh, KB has his injury or so, and the Mets starting pitcher is injured after one inning. I immediately start thinking, oh, who would be really kind of helpful for them right about now? Adam Morgan. And the Mets lost the game by a run. So, uh, is it a case of I'm expecting this to happen? Heck no. Do I think this is a darn good idea for the Cubs? Yes, I think that um, Billy McKinney would be of more value long-term than Adam Morgan. Do it. And for the Mets, or for the Mets, do I think McKinney's going to go for cash value or nothing? I mean, a little, little over that anyway. So why don't they accept a major league pitcher to get them through a day when they're getting, you know, they're gonna they're probably gonna DFA uh um Robert Stock tomorrow. So uh if you're gonna DFA him anyway, you might as well get somebody back to replace him with and Adam Morgan would seem a logical player player to plug in for him. Or if they decide they want to go for Dan Winkler, go for Dan Winkler and toss in a little bit extra. Seems easy, seems logical, seems not a problem. Okay, now let's talk about the minor league pipeline for the Cubs. It is nearly a perfect night, not quite, but nearly a perfect night. Um, I'm not looking at numbers. I'm going to give you the verbal version and I'll try to get a written version out at some point, though I don't know how much motivation I have. Tonight was really busy, just so busy. So many different things. Alex Cohen on the iCubs game was laughing a couple of times about how, yeah, this is gonna, this is gonna go crazy. Uh, the iCubs game was the debut the Cubs debut, Cubs pipeline debut for Frank Schwindel. 
Schwindel is just a big hulking first baseman dude. Um, let me see. I'm trying to even think of who, who, um, big hulking first baseman dude would be for the Cubs in a while. Yeah, some of you guys are just screaming something at the, uh, at your, at your computer. But, um, he's not really like a Vogelbach who was shorter. Schwindel, I, I, he's, he's big. He's big. Um, was that guy? Keel Kaleo? You guys know I'm talking about. Some of you guys know I'm talking This big first baseman dude, and his job is to hit the ball a long way. Um, first at bat, he popped out. Second at bat, he hit a two-run homer. Later in the game, he had a two-run single. Uh, Nick Martini had a three-run homer. Michael Hermosillo had a home run. It was a wild and woolly game, and Iowa won 14-7. to um, Finally, toward the middle of the game. What was that? Looks like something flashed inside my house. Um, the late, later end of the bullpen did its job as it usually does. Um, positive game. Schwindel is who he is. And if this, that, or the other thing happens, Schwindel may end up getting some opportunities at first base with the Cubs. Or, honestly, he'd make a lot of sense if the Cubs are going into a DH sort of an environment. Um, call him up for a series against an American League team and then possibly send him back down. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not familiar enough with him on defense, but I don't think he's particularly good defensively. Um, Alfonso Rivas, who also had a decent game tonight, I think he had two hits. Alfonso Rivas is a better defender, but Schwindel hits. Now, if there's going to be designated hitter next year in the National League, Frank Schwindel wouldn't be my first choice, but he's probably going to be around, so um, might as well hang on to him. Uh, Tennessee lost 8-5. to five? Oh, um, Hosschild, Mike Hosschild, started for Iowa, lasted into the fourth inning. Um, is a parade of relievers. Uh, Tennessee, who the heck even started? I'm not going to go bother to look, but wasn't Javier Assad. It wasn't Cam Sanders. Who was it? I'm not quite remembering, but, uh, it was in the, uh, Rocket City Trash Pandas facility which is along with the facility in Columbus where Iowa played a very hitter-friendly venue. Um, Brennan Davis did not do much. But I'm at the point now where, fine, that's that's absolutely... If there's going to be like seven home runs, I don't need one to be Brennan Davis because I already know he's fine. He's good. Um... Speaking of uh, speaking of early home runs, Ryan Jensen 
started for South Bend and gave up two home runs in the first inning. I was thinking, oh no, is it going to be one of those games again? It's been a while since we've had one of those. Jensen settled down, shut it down, and I was listening to um, Iowa and Myrtle Beach mostly. Uh, But eventually I ended up flipping on the back end of the South Bend game. And they ended up hanging on to win, I think it was 3-2. to two. Yeah, it was 3-2. to two And uh, pitched out a little damage. Uh, Blake Whitney pitched in the 8th. And I'm not remembering who got the ninth, But uh, pitched out some damage. Pitched out of some trouble. There's, uh, in the 8th inning... Um, DJ Artis misplayed a fly ball, which fell for a double to lead the inning off, and Whitney pitched around it. So that's always a good thing to hear when an A-ball, advanced A-ball pitcher um, does that kind of thing. Um, Myrtle Beach, um, Pablo Aliendo, he's, there's a term, pop-up player. If you were to look at the Fangraphs list of prospects, Pablo Aliendo would be nowhere on that list because as of three months ago, he was a, eh, yeah, I've heard of him, but he's nothing. Well, he's kind of good now. And he's he hit for a while, had about two, three-week lag. Now he hit he's hit home runs in successive days. And today, not only did he homer, but he also had an RBI double. Pablo Aliendo, he is better than was expected. And between Aliendo and Ethan Hearn, one of them might end up having to move up to make room for um, Arkansas catcher Casey Opitz. Or they might just decide, you know, Casey Opitz, you can go to advanced A-ball and we'll let uh, Ethan Hearn and Pablo Aliendo continue to um, play tag team down in Myrtle Beach. Because that's actually seeming to work rather well. Um, Myrtle Beach ended up getting a really nice start out of um, their opening day. Um, Manuel Espinoza, who always ends up being the Tuesday-Sunday guy in the series against uh, series series against um, Charleston River Dogs, the Tampa affiliate, who's amazing. Uh, Espinoza held it in line, held it in line, held it in line, and finally, when uh, Espinoza had, when um, Pablo Aliendo had his two huge at-bats. Myrtle Beach ended up winning that game as well. So let's start from the top again. Iowa wins, Tennessee loses, South Bend wins, and as against the Wisconsin Timber Rattlers, the Brewers affiliates. Anytime the Cubs kick the Brewers affiliates, but that's really cool. Um, Myrtle Beach won. Uh, this almost counts as a win. Um, Mesa Ended up losing two to one to to one of the two Giants affiliates. Two to one. That's some amazing pitching for 
the Arizona League. That's you, you don't see that. Um, that that was that was very impressive to see that come through, even though they lost. Um, Owen Casey had a hit and a walk. Uh, hit and a walk. Uh, Reggie Preciado had a double. There, that's a good squad. That's a very good squad. Um, the Dominican League teams, at, after getting massacred on Tuesday, came back and they won both of their games today. So, uh, you know, they, they lost, what, 16 to 3 or 16 to 2 and 13 to 7 or something like that yesterday. But they won close games today. I think like four to two. It's like it was like four to two both ways. It was very close. It was very close both times. And um, cool. It's uh, Pedro Pedro Ramirez had another decent game. He's the guy who was born in two thousand four. So yeah, that was a good thing. Also, in signing news, the class continue, the signing class continues to get expanded a little bit. And the one today is probably an incidental signing, very incidental. But um, Frankie Scalzo Jr. was the closer this season for Grand Canyon University in Phoenix. And he he was 95, 96, 97 in college as a closer. And frankly, Scalzo Jr. signed today. Or, let's see, looks at the clock. Signed on Tuesday. And uh, if Frankie Scalzo Jr. has his stuff together, is ready, and, you know, is throwing strikes and, you know, locating and blah, 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 blah. He could or should be in South Bend by the end of the season. He sounds like... It's not that he sounds like he's that good, necessarily. Because, I you know, I, I haven't gotten around to watching him play. So I don't really have anything to go off of. But what I'm what I'm basing him against is... How good would Frankie Scalzo Jr., who was the closer for Grand Canyon, have to be to make it onto the Myrtle Beach squad? He could probably do that. He could probably do that rather quickly. He could probably do that two weeks ago. So, okay, if he gets to Myrtle Beach, how much would he have to do at Myrtle Beach to show that he might be ready to pitch for South Bend, who has a bunch of pitchers who have a tendency to not throw strikes. Well, if he's pitching well at Myrtle Beach and he's throwing strikes, he can go right up there right away. It won't take four outings for him to prove that, yeah, 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 I can go to the next level. So if Frankie Scalzo Jr., 13th round pick, something like that, if he can get to... South Bend this season. He doesn't even have to tear it up. Just, you know, pitch four or five times in Myrtle Beach, pitch three or four times in South Bend. Okay, you're about done for the year. You 
you've done yours. That means he's gotten used to that. If that happens, then he would have surpassed the Arizona League. He would have surpassed the low A. And then he would already be in advanced A in his fractional season. And that's what you want to see out of draft picks. People who are doing better than expected, at least from what when they were selected. So, uh, yeah, kind of an interesting day. And, boy, you got to wonder if there's going to be a trade tomorrow. That Mets lineup for tonight's game was not posted until half an hour, 40 minutes before first pitch, which simply does not happen because so much of baseball now is wagering. They want to have the lineups posted so everybody can bet on the game. But if the lineup's not posted, how can you bet on the game? Because you don't know who the players are going to be. So um, Major League Baseball really does want the lineups posted two, three hours in advance. If the Mets are waiting until half an hour before the game starts to post their lineup, something's going on. Now, they had to DFA the guy they started last night, but they knew they were going to do that, and they knew who the starter was going to be. So that's not the question. What was, why was the lineup so delayed? Unless the people who were deciding what the lineup was going to be were occupied doing something else until 45 minutes before the game started. And when it comes to, what's really interesting about this trade deadline, what's really interesting about this trade deadline is you hear maybe the Mets will be buying, maybe the Nationals will be buying, maybe the Phillies will be buying. But what you don't really hear, with the exception of like four or five guys, is who's trading? There just aren't a whole lot of teams that, for instance, the Pittsburgh Pirates would be more than happy to trade the players that they have. The players that the Pittsburgh Pirates have, they're long-term pieces. They're not going to trade Cabrian Hayes. The Pirates don't have guys who are rentals. The Pirates don't have guys who are rentals. And if they do, they're not doing very well. There just aren't that many players that are easily traded this time of the year. Without The Twins back a couple days ago said, yeah, 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 we're more than willing to trade, but we're not going to trade any of the players that we have next year still. Well, that eliminates all the players on the Twins that anybody really wanted. So th- there will be trades between now and the deadline, and... I don't know, a third of the time? It might be the Cubs. And if they really want to get aggressive about it, if they really want to get aggressive about it, they don't even have to start with a trading Chris Bryant, trading Craig Kimbrell. It doesn't even have to be that. Because what they're realistically looking to try to do 
is three things. Three things. If all three of these boxes can get checked, then the Cubs are somewhat interested in said trade. First box to check, a rental type of player being moved. If there is a rental type of player that is being moved, check that box. Jack Peterson was signed through 2021. When he was traded, that was a box that was checked because he was a rental player. The Cubs got back in return for Jack Peterson, a player that Fangraphs had rated as a 40-plus. Check that second box. 40-plus is better than the Cubs would probably get for the Chris Bryant qualifying offer um, compensation pick. So the Cubs traded Peterson, traded, uh, got, got back Bryce Ball. Oh, apparently Bryce Ball. Uh, oh, shoot. What? I'm going I, to hold that thought. I'll, I'll have to remember what that is. But uh, So if they trade a rental and get back a quality prospect, somebody that Fangraphs is rating, that's two. Now there's one other thing. There's a third box, and if they can check all three boxes, they're going to be very interested in the trade. Once the trade is made, if they can bring up someone from the minor leagues who they can then test out, in real time, that's another box checked. With the Jack Peterson trade, for short term, they called up Kyle Ryan for two days. Then they sent him back down and brought up um, Dylan Maples, who had to come back up anyway. So Dylan Maples being added. I don't know if you want to count that as checking the box or maybe running a slash through it or something. But... If the Cubs make a trade, let's say they send off a reliever, let's say Adam Morgan, to the Mets. Whether it's for Billy McKinney, whether it's for whoever. Maybe they get a 35-plus Maybe they just get some random guy back for Adam Morgan. It's Adam Morgan. They send Adam Morgan to the Mets. The Mets send the the Cubs back some guy that is doing fairly well out of the 2019 draft. Then with Adam Morgan gone, the Cubs can call up Manny Rodriguez or somebody else. Call up somebody that's already on the 40-man roster. Give them a better look. Look at more players. Then as more trades happen, as more trades happen, then you start shuffling the deck and bringing in other players. No, it's not going to look really uh, enticing. I tell you, the last couple days, Rafael Ortega wants to play in the playoffs. Rafael Ortega has been taking some very good at-bats. Rafael Ortega should get somebody should try to acquire him he's he's not he's not bad um 
wow, this went longer than I thought. Um, it was an interesting Tuesday. And I apologize for taking way longer than I usually do. Um, congratulations to the Milwaukee Bucks. My nephew, Ted, took to following the Bucks, fearing the deer. And um, congratulations to them. They, they seem like they're a, a fun squad to watch. And they're led by a guy who I'm not even going to bother saying his name because I'd say it wrong. Giannis. Um, seems like a good dude. So uh, when good things happen to good people, that's generally a good thing in my book. Thanks for stopping by. Um, one of these days is going to get real interesting soon. And real interesting. Um, thanks for stopping by. Be safe. Be nice to others. And have a nice day. <laughs>